Welcome to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. For over 30 years, Paul Stone has been seriously handicapping college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf. Over the past five seasons, spanning almost 600 releases, Paul has hit 55% against the spread in college football, gaining the respect of sports books and bettors throughout the world. He is monitored by highly respected the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. Paul has also won two major Las Vegas football handicapping contests and finished in the top four in two others. Each week, Paul will provide exclusive handicapping insights on the podcast. To receive Paul's exact picks each week, you can sign up for member-only access at paulstonesports.org. Now, on to the show. College football media days begin this week, and uh, teams will start reporting for fall camp in about three weeks. And so-called week zero in college football uh, begins the action in 45 days. Hello everyone, I'm Paul Stone and college football is inching closer and closer. Won't be long before it's here in all its glory. Uh, This is episode 111 of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast and this week's version is titled, It Won't Be Long. Um, As I record, it is Wednesday, July 12th, uh, shortly after 6 p.m. Central. Um, you know, I've probably said this uh, on my podcast, probably even in recent weeks, but uh, my first bet relating to this upcoming 2023 college football season was placed way back on February 22nd, so four and a half months ago. You know, most of the year, uh, as I'm handicapping and betting college football, I really think very little about the games. But I instead, you know, focus, you know, almost exclusively during most points of the calendar on the process. You know, besides the games are so far in the future that there's really no reason to really start anticipating those since I'm betting now, you know, basically 10 and a half months out of the year on college football, you're able to bet. So the games are, you know, pretty far in the future. But today, you know, it's July 12th. The games are drawing near. Yes, indeed, college football fans, it won't be long. So Big 12 Media Day started today, again, Wednesday, uh, July 12th in Arlington, uh, Texas. Uh, and they continue, uh, the Big 12 Media Days continue tomorrow actually conclude tomorrow, I believe. Uh, SEC Media Days, they begin this coming Monday, July 17th. SEC Media Days, uh, you probably heard, it is a huge event. It's either three or four days, uh, but it is that fans come to the SEC Media Days. (laughs) It's a big deal. And then in two weeks from this week, uh, on July 26th and 27th, they're at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, will be, of course, the Big Ten Media Days. And you can certainly find out the dates uh, for the other conferences' media days by visiting you know, each league's website or by doing you know, a simple uh, Google search or something like that. But I'll say this. If you're at least a somewhat serious college football handicapper, I believe you should certainly consume some of the general coverage on each team 
from these media events. You might learn something and perhaps something valuable to your handicapping arsenal. You know, I would consume uh, as much or as many of the print and electronic uh, reports as possible. You know, I typically, I want to accentuate, emphasize this. I typically, personally, don't pay a great deal of attention to the coach speak or the player speak for that matter. You know, everybody, again, I say it kind of in jest, but really seriously, everybody's stronger, everybody's buying in. Um, you know, just uh, there's a lot of optimism. You know, besides, it's still only mid-July. You know, everybody's zero and zero, and, and nobody's had, as Barry Switzer once said, half a hundred hung on them yet <laughs> at this point on the calendar. Uh, you know, you see in the in, in the wacky world of, of college football, hope certainly springs eternal uh, during the dog days of summer. So you might ask, what do I look for? During media days, if I don't, and I do listen to the interviews, don't get me wrong. I just don't, you know, believe maybe uh, a lot of the, the, the information that I, that I hear. But what I look for primarily is going to be news about an injured player, which hasn't previously hit the airwaves. You know, perhaps a guy who's going to unfortunately, you know, miss most or all of the upcoming season. You know, you'll also maybe find out about guys who are no longer part of the team. You know, so that's certainly stuff you want to know. So in other words, you know, I'm looking for news about players whom we were thinking were going to be part of State U's roster this fall, who we now come to understand are not going to be part of the roster. You know, sometimes coaches will offer this information freely. Uh, during their opening remarks or their answers to a general question. Uh, Other times they might provide this type of information when asked about the player's status, specifically by a media member, you know, who received some sort of info from a source, perhaps, that a player had been injured or, or what have you. I'll say this without question. Certainly not every team is going to have this type of news. You know, in fact, using uh, history as our guide, only a few will. But if, you, if you've got a team, for instance, which was already a little thin, say, on the offensive line, and that team loses its three-year starting left tackle, that's impactful to some degree. You know, that makes a difference. As I sometimes like to say, the difference between losing and winning in sports handicapping is oftentimes going to be your ability to accrue a series of incremental advantages, which individually don't mean much, but collectively have an impact on a team's power ranking. And therefore, in my opinion, if the collective impact is strong enough, should have some level of impact, even if it's small, on the point spread. So I look for for injuries. I look for that information about players uh, that was previously unknown. And if you listen to the uh, the media days and, again, read the stories and hear the coaches' interviews and those sort of things, you will certainly 
get some of this information over the next few weeks. Kind of shifting gears here now. You know, people sometimes ask me, you know, what one or two pieces of advice would I give to college football handicappers aspiring to be long-term winners? What advice would I give them in relation to their preseason preparation? You know, first of all, most of us would probably agree that the quarterback in football is the most important position in all of sport. And it doesn't matter, you know, college football is certainly part of that, the NFL, high school football, whatever. The quarterback is critically important, uh, even more so, I would say, over the past uh, 20 or 25 years. You know, as the three yards uh, and a cloud of dust type offenses have almost unanimously uh, been relegated to the history books uh, and grown extinct, if you will. You know, a team can no longer reach its highest ceiling merely with a game manager under center, or perhaps more appropriately, in the shotgun, because not too many teams get under center anymore with their quarterback. You know, quarterback's got to be able to throw the ball in the college game, uh, especially important, in my opinion, to be accurate in the intermediate passing game. And statues, you know, guys that can't move at all, they need not apply in year 2023. A guy's got to have some level of escapability. Got to have some feet. Got to be able to move a little bit. And ideally, uh, even be athletic enough to be a factor uh, in the designed running game. You know, initially, uh, I, I didn't really intend for this to include a dissertation on the quarterback position in today's college football, but there you have uh, my two cents. Now to my answer, you know what? That wasn't even my answer. What One or two pieces of advice would I give to, to handicappers as they prepare in the preseason? I believe, in my opinion, many or at least some aspiring college football handicappers fail to pay proper attention to the offensive line and the defensive front seven. I think some handicappers, it's just kind of natural. They become uh, enamored by the aforementioned quarterback position, which is paramount, no question about it. And they become enamored perhaps to a lesser degree with the high-profile skill position players. Those guys, you know, obviously have impressive stat lines uh, attached to their bios. So you've got 1,000-yard rushers. You've got 100-catch receivers. You know, guys of that sort. Those guys are extremely important without question. And they're not a dime a dozen at most schools. You know, some people disagree uh, on this. And at some schools, they can be fairly easily replaced. And uh, it's not that big of a deal. But at other schools, uh, might be a little bit more of a challenge. So, in my opinion, again, a lot of handicappers, especially novices or one who are still ones who are still fine tuning and perfecting their craft, almost solely or maybe you know solely focus their handicapping attention, I guess you would say, on the skill guys, while almost totally ignoring the offensive line. And on defense, you know, again, as I said, I believe it's proper 
to focus on the front seven. And, and there's a theme here for sure. Guys who start each play closest to the ball should not be taken with a grain of salt, should not be taken lightly. You know, looking at uh, this handicapping omission, if you will, I'm going to use the Washington Huskies uh, as an example, this year's team as an example. Washington, first of all, they're going to rightfully be a preseason top 15 team. They've got a Heisman Trophy, uh, hopefully quarterback in Michael Penix Jr., got a deep receiving core that returns a pair of 1,000-yard receivers, uh, certainly one of the you know top two or three receiving groups in the entire nation. But what about the big guys up front? The Huskies, they got to replace three offensive linemen, three starters, and two of those departed linemen both offensive guards, they combined last year for a total of 82 career starts. They're not last year, but during their career, those two guys combined for 82 career starts. So they were multi-year starters. Uh, on the plus side for the Huskies, both starting tackles are back, only entering their second seasons as starters, but they are returning. But again, those other three Line positions being center, left guard, and right guard can only claim nine career starts collectively between them. So they are relatively, Washington, they are relatively green at three of the five starting offensive line positions. You look at their offense last year, one of the best in the nation. Uh, They averaged just a tick under 40 points in their 13 games. Is it feasible, though, realistic, to expect Washington to hit that same mark this season with a retooled offensive line? For the record, you know, I'm not expecting the Huskies to fall off the face of the earth. They're not going to be a a six-win team this year. They are going to be, you know, a top 20, uh, top 25 top team. They are too talented at quarterback and receiver outside of injury, not to be. But I've probably got them power ranked slightly lower than most people. And I'm going to be watching, you know, because I always, man, you, you got to be fluid. Uh, you got to say, man, I was wrong in the off, I was wrong in the off season in the summer. I got to bump them up where everybody else has them. So you, you got to be quick to, to change your opinions once you start seeing games, once you start seeing players, once you start seeing performances, once you start seeing the replacements. But again, I'll be watching closely, uh, especially that offensive engine and that offensive line. Now for my promotion this week of Paul Stone Sports. Uh, Advertising messages sometimes seem to associate successful sports handicappers with loud, boisterous proclamations. Sunglasses, fancy cars, a blonde on each arm, and expensive cigars. You know, certainly, uh, you know, it's certainly fine, I guess you could say, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. But nothing could be further from the truth about the work, you know, required, necessary to consistently win year after year against the spread laying 11 to get back 10. 
It's long hours, uh, mundane work performed in solitude, certainly far away from uh, any glamour and glitz. It's always trying to get the best number. It's always trying to find another piece of information. It's always saying, I'm going to stop at this time and then going 15 or 20 minutes later. Paul Stone Sports, now I've achieved eight straight winning seasons in college football against the spread. I'm independently monitored by a true third party, the Sports Monitor of Oklahoma City. I pit a monitored 55.5% against the spread over these past eight seasons uh, collectively. If that doesn't, uh, if you don't understand what that means uh, and how few people, frankly, are going to reach that type of percentage, then I'm not your guy. You know, if you do understand what this game's all about, then maybe I am. If interested in my college football or any of my other packages, please visit uh, paulstonesports.org. Again, that's paulstonesports.org. Now we're going to go to a comp selection. You've got two PGA Tour events actually this week. You've got the Genesis Scottish Open uh, starting very early uh, tomorrow morning on Thursday uh, in Scotland. So I'm going to go with the comp selection in the Barbasol Championship, uh, the lesser of the two events. Uh, the Barbasol Championship being played in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And I'm going to go with a couple of players, the earliest of whom is teeing off at 11.54 a.m. Central, or I should say perhaps scheduled to tee off at 11.54 a.m. Central tomorrow on Thursday. This is a matchup uh, pitting Lucas Glover and Akshay Batia. Uh, Glover, his game, you know, for the past year, to be blunt about it, his game has mostly been in a bad place. You know, in fact, earlier this year, Glover, uh, went through a stretch where he actually missed five cuts in a six-tournament stretch. But about a month ago, it seemed like Glover just flipped a switch. He finished tied for 20th at the Canadian Open. Uh, he then did miss the cut uh, at Travelers. But followed that two weeks ago with a tied for fourth at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. And then last week, this past weekend, tied for sixth at the John Deere Classic. Glover has seemingly regained his uh, touch. He's at minus 105 against Batia. My recommendation this week in the Barbasol Championship in a full tournament matchup, take Lucas Glover minus 105 over Akshay Batia, uh, the Pepperdine product. Out there in Malibu, Malibu, California, one of the most beautiful college campuses in the entire U.S., but take Glover. At minus one over five, uh, one hundred five rather over Batia. Again, the first golfer in that matchup scheduled the tee off at eleven fifty four a.m. Central tomorrow on Thursday. That's going to do it, folks, for another edition of the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Hope you guys are enjoying your summer, guys and gals. Hope you're able to take a vacation or two, enjoy yourselves, relax, stay cool. Uh, if you're in uh, a part of the country uh, like myself here in the, the southwest and the eastern part of Texas approaches 100 most days, the mid-90s to 100 most days here in East Texas with just a little bit of humidity if you've ever been in this part of the country. But um, stay safe, uh, stay cool, stay hydrated, and uh, let's get ready for some college football. Until next time, signing off once again, I'm Paul Stone.
Thank you for listening to the Paul Stone Sports Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. And visit paulstonesports.org to sign up for member-only access to Paul's college football, college basketball, and PGA Tour golf picks and predictions. 